Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen. This is Season 2, Episode 11, Biblical Leaders versus False Teachers. It seems that Christians in America have a tendency to get all fired up over quote-unquote spiritual leaders or movies or movements that are happening in our country, as opposed to getting all fired up over the gospel message of Jesus Christ. A biblical leader ought to have a set of character traits and qualities that essentially makes him blameless, where you can't point a finger at the biblical leader and say, hey, you know, this person is living in sin. The Bible is very clear about that. Uh, I have seen lots of things uh, where it appears that those who are running the particular thing are openly sinful. That ought not to be. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that the thing itself is bad, whether it be the book or movie or a sermon or, or what have you, but it is not the right way to do it. And I don't like the way that uh, American Christians tend to change their tone of voice, have a religious fervor for a person or a movement to where they they almost get all breathy and and uh, they they just feel that this is such an enormous uh, undertaking and a wonderful thing that God is doing through this person and I feel like you know every time I'm around them you, you know what those are feelings I I'm not sure how to exactly say that but it gets very dangerous. When you find yourself in a religious fervor over something other than the word of God or Jesus Christ himself, and I don't care what it is, if it's my podcast or me myself as such a wonderful charismatic pastor, or I, I don't want that type of zeal and religious fervor for me it, and it smacks of carnival fakery when you do it for a church or, or for a movement, a revival or whatever you're looking at. And, and you have that, that tone of voice and adoration for something that just sticks in my craw is something that's, that's not right. It's a huge red flag to me. This is why I'm doing this today. Okay. So let's, let's dive into biblical leaders. What are they supposed to be? People who lead a movement, people who are teaching, people who are showing people the gospel, right? So the first one I want to go into is the qualifications of a pastor. All right. You can call him an overseer, a bishop, however you want to call him. Uh, but this is someone who is in charge of a, a, a group of believers. Okay. First Timothy three, one says, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a pastor, right? A bishop then must be blameless. That means no one can point a finger at them and say they're sinning. The husband of one wife. This raises the question that in the church, there's probably numerous people that have more than one wife. Vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. They must actually have an aptitude towards teaching and explaining things to people. Not given to wine. No striker. Not greedy of filthy lucre. So... Money, right? Money hungry. Must be patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? 
not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. So not just some 16-year-old kid that speaks well, not a novice. He, he needs to have some experience behind him, right? Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. People who are outside of the church must be able to look at that person and be like, yeah, he's got good character. He's a good moral person. They need, even the unsaved need to see that this pastor is a decent person, right? Lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now that's just for pastors. Well, what about the teachers and the leaders of the church, the different offices that, uh, you know, the pastor has people take care of? Well, those were called deacons in the Bible times. And if this continues in 1 Timothy 3 verse 8, it says the same thing about deacons. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to too much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. So again, some of the thing, same things. Notice it says not given too much wine. Wine is not wrong. It is not a sin. But too much is when you get drunk, right? Uh, again, the money comes up, not greedy of filthy lucre. The love of money is the root of all evil. So if you're just doing it for money, if you're constantly trying to get money from people, you probably shouldn't be in a leadership position in the church, according to the Bible, right? And then verse 9, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. So he's saying test them. Prove that they are blameless before you let them run things, all right? So you should probably have a test for a leader before you allow them to become a leader. And I don't mean paper test. I mean, put them in charge of something and see how they handle it. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife. There you go again. So multiple people in the church, it was a common thing to have more than one wife. But if you wanted to be a deacon or a pastor, you were supposed to limit yourself to only one wife. So someone who had two wives that wanted to be a deacon should not be allowed to be a deacon, ruling their children in their own house as well. All right. So there you go. When we pick leaders, when we choose leaders, there's lots of qualifications. There's things that you need to do to test your leaders, to prove that they're blameless, to verify that they are not living sinful lives and that they are apt to teach and have the abilities and have the patience and the maturity and uh, the background as far as not being a novice. So there's lots of qualifications. And the point is, this is not something to be taken lightly to have the leader of a movement without testing him and qualifying him. But it's very obvious that leaders need to have a higher standard according to the Bible. All right. So what do false teachers teach and how do we figure it out? How do we find them? Right. Sometimes a false teacher is very obvious to the average person. OK, it's like a cult. The definition of a cult is a religion regarded as unorthodox or spurious or fake. Spurious means fake, okay? So it's regarded as a fake religion. Specifically, claiming to be part of a religion, but refusing to follow the main tenets of that religion. So, for example, I say um, I am a Christian. And if I deliberately do not follow the doctrines of Christianity, the Bible, like Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created everything, right? Uh, John three sixteen, 
for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. So the only son of God is Jesus Christ, right? So if I decide not to follow those things, well, those, those are major tenets of the Bible. So I'm actually a cult. If I claim to be of that religion, but do not teach that religion in this new name that I've made up, Pastor Stephen's cult. Here's a couple of examples of, of cults. There's an obvious one, which is fairly recent, was the Haley Bop Comet. They were called the Heaven's Gate Cult. And they claimed to be Christian. The husband and wife team uh, claimed to be the two witnesses found in the book of Revelations. And so they got uh, 38 people to follow them. And one of their teachings was that the Haley Bop Comet was a spaceship that was going to take them to heaven. And the way to get on board the spaceship was to commit suicide so they could, like, join some astral plane and their spirit would leave their body and go up to that comet as it went by clearly out of this world, crazy, not following the Bible, but they claimed to be Christian. That's a crazy one. All right. And they, 40 people committed suicide and that's it. That's a cult, a crazy one, small group of people that are adhere to that the teachings the doctrines of that particular group to their death right it's a very serious thing but it changes their lives they become engulfed in that cult and that's all their life is about all right so that's one now here's a more subtle one mormons claims to be christian they claim to follow jesus christ they claim that they believe the bible right However, if you dig into the Mormon religion and you actually dig deep into it, because they'll use all the same words the Bible does, but they don't mean the same thing to Mormons. They will tell you that Jesus was born of a virgin, right? But what they mean is Mary was a virgin when God the Father had sex with her and penetrated her and his seed went into her and produced a child. So they do not believe that Jesus was virgin born. They believe that Jesus was born from the Virgin Mary because God the Father had sex with her. Huge red flag. They do not believe in the Jesus of the Bible. They do not believe in the virgin birth, which is a tenet of Christianity, yet they say they're Christians. They also say that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is not the way to salvation. It is along the path of salvation, but you are required to do things in addition to believing that Jesus Christ was God, right? So that is also against the major tenet of, of Christianity. They do not believe the Bible is inerrant, meaning they think there are errors in the Bible. That goes against the teachings of Christianity. They do not believe the Bible is the whole word of God. So they have the Book of Mormon and other extra biblical books that they tell you that you need to follow. Another one that they uh, believe is that Satan is the brother of Jesus. Well, then how is Jesus the only begotten son of God in John 3.16? Obviously, Mormons are a cult of Christianity. They are not Christian, although they're lumped in with Christianity as are Catholics and everybody else. So those are some examples of cults. And clearly there are false teachings. You know, you've got the crazy stuff of the Heaven's Gate, and then you have some anti-God stuff, anti-biblical things from the Mormons. Uh, Galatians 1.9 says, As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. When you add to the gospel, you're taking away from Jesus Christ. You are taking away from God. 
you are denying the things that Jesus Christ himself said. It is clearly anti-God. Don't forget also that false teachers sometimes are not obvious. Sometimes they are disguised as angels of light. Galatians 1.8, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So it's very clear that angels from heaven, fallen angels, demons, could appear to people as an angel of light and try and dissuade them from following Jesus Christ. But if they preach any other gospel than the good news of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and rising from the dead because he's God, let him be accursed. Don't listen to him. Here's another one, 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Satan himself and his ministers try to appear as apostles of Christ. How are you going to appear to be an apostle of Christ if you don't speak God's word? So there will be people who claim to be Christians who preach the word of God, but they are false teachers. What would that look like? Well, people that are lying or deceiving, they'll say one thing and do another, hypocrites. People that will twist one of the doctrines of the Bible while they're teaching other ones to try and swing you away from proper interpretation of the, of the Bible. If you are misled about a doctrine of the Bible, then it is very easy for you to start misreading or misinterpreting other doctrines of the Bible. Because when you've got something wrong, all of the Bible works together. And if you use part of the Bible in the wrong way, you are in danger of that influencing other doctrines in the Bible. And eventually, the next thing you know, you're so far away from Jesus that he might say, get away from me, I never knew you. So you, that is why it is so important to understand the Bible and to get into the doctrine of the Bible. What about a person who professes to be a Christian, who has gotten ordained, who is preaching to you, gets to the qualifications of a pastor that I just read earlier, where it says you must be the husband of only one wife, right? And they say, well, this clearly means that I, as a woman, must be the wife of one husband. And they deliberately twist the scriptures to make it seem like it's okay for the woman to lead the church, which it is clearly not. I've done a couple of podcasts on that. To deliberately twist 180 degrees the words that you can read for yourself, husband of one wife, and to lie about that and say that also means wife of one husband. If you are being indoctrinated to believe that the Bible literally means the opposite of what it says then how easily are you going to be swayed on any other scripture? So women preachers are a huge red flag. It is openly denying the qualifications of a pastor that are clear as day in the Bible. That would be a person that is lying or deceiving to you who is a false teacher and leading you down the wrong path. Why would, why would Satan want that? And this is what people don't seem to understand is Satan doesn't care so much about people who are already away from God. Satan cares about the people 
who are Christians. Satan persecutes the people who are following God. Satan tries to draw away the people who are already doing the right thing. Why? Because the people that are already going to hell that he has in his fist, like they're doing the wrong thing. They don't believe in God. They're atheist, whatever. Why should he care what church they go to? Or even if they do, he doesn't, he's already got them. They're, they're destined for hell. Okay. But someone who has been yanked out of his hands by Jesus Christ, who is now a Christian, Satan wants to twist them. Satan wants to throw them off. Why? Because if he can throw off a believer so that that believer gets away from God, what happens? That believer teaches his children wrong and the children never become Christians. Generations will change the world. If he can sway one believer, that believer will probably never get someone to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That believer will not have the true gospel and that believer will not take other unsaved people away from Satan. So Satan will attack the church and use false teachers and people that lie and deceive because it's a numbers game for him. The more people he can throw off the scent of the narrow path to heaven, generations later, it's exponential on the numbers of people that now will not find God. Satan plays the long game. He wants to take as many people to hell with him as he can. And he gets pissed off when someone finds Jesus and is pulled out from the fires of hell, basically. So he attacks Christians with false teachers with these wolves in sheep's clothing, with angels of light, using God's word to draw you away from God. It's very scary. So here's two things I wanted to bring up. Well, three, I guess. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira. They lied to Paul. You can read about them. And uh, Paul killed them instantly. They were, well, they were put to death by God, but Paul knew it was going to happen because they lied to the people about just giving an offering to God. And Paul told him, he's like, look, you didn't have to lie. You could have just given a small part and kept the rest of it for yourselves and just told us that's what you did. But instead you lied and said you gave us everything while you kept some for yourself. So sin, lying to the God's people, is a grave mistake, literally. You deserve to be put to death when you deceive God's people. That's what that teaches, all right? So there's two things that I wanted to bring up. Number one, the Jesus Revolution movie here in 2023 that came out uh, about Lonnie Frisbee and the uh, the hippie movement and stuff and how they, they actually did start some churches. I think the Vineyard Movement and the Calvary Chapel and things like that came out of this guy, okay? He was a preacher, apparently very charismatic, got a lot of people to realize that, you know, hippies are people too and they can become Christian, right? So there were some good things that came out of it. He was an active preacher against homosexuality. Turns out he was a homosexual himself. He was gay. He died of AIDS in 1993. This Jesus Revolution movie is a dangerous thing if you begin to idolize this Lonnie Frisbee and start teaching about him that Jesus accepts everybody and it's okay if you've made mistakes in your past. Absolutely true. But you do not idolize a man who deliberately deceived you. You should not idolize a man regardless of whether he's deceiving you or not. 
That's one of the Ten Commandments. We're not supposed to idol, make idols of anything, right? The, the Jesus Revolution, while it might be a decent movie about historical things that happened in America, it is, I believe, a long-term plan of Satan to get the world to think that good Christian people are gay. And I, I believe that this movie is a thing that is trying to get kids to grow up hearing about this great man of God. And then later in life, when they're leaders in a church, when they're deacons, when they're voting for a pastor and what have you, I think it's trying to subtly slip in there that you can have a pastor that's gay. Because Lonnie Frisbee was, and he's the gay pastor in this movie, but they don't talk about it in the movie. So I think it's dangerous. And I have seen people praise this movie as a great thing of God. And I do not believe that to be the case. I think it is probably historically accurate, but deliberately hiding some of the facts. Um, I think God uses bad people and unfortunate circumstances and things that are maybe intended for evil and God allows good to come out of it. So I'm not saying that no one got saved in Lonnie Frisbee's church. Uh, far from it. I, I think they probably did. I think he did preach the gospel as far as I understand. But to idolize him or to idolize this movie that is about a gay man who never forsook or repented of his sin, who, who hid the fact that he was gay while he preached against being gay, that is doing a huge disservice to proper Christian leaders, to biblical pastors. That is really putting, drawing your eye and your devotion and your, your religious fervor and your awe and inspiration from a man who, who was just a man who openly sinned or who openly admitted that he sinned at the end of his life and, and that he was deceiving people. And that's not right. That is not what a, a leader in, in God's church is supposed to do. So we should not put him on a pedestal. All right, here's another one that gets me is the Asbury revival that's, that so supposedly happened in America. They had self-proclaimed queer worship leaders. How are you going to lead the people of God in worship of God while you are extolling the fact that you are an open sinner against God? I think all of these things are pushes by the LGBTQ community to corrupt the church of God to allow open sin. And I think these things are dangerous. And I think you need to be very careful about what you follow. Because God says we're to follow God, not men. Acts 5.29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. We are supposed to search the scriptures daily to verify the things that were taught so that we don't get led astray by false teachers, right? Acts uh, 17, 10, and 11 says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Don't believe me. Look up the Bible yourself and understand, meditate on it. Do not trust people to have your best interests at heart. It's your soul, your eternal soul going to heaven or hell. And nobody other than God is going to care about your soul more than you do.
Remember, revival is not what people make it in the media. Just because there's a lot of people going somewhere or just because a lot of people are singing and praising God and dancing and falling out in the spirit and doing crazy speaking in tongues and stuff, that doesn't mean it's from God. You need to read 1 Corinthians because there's a lot in there about how to have a proper church service. Orderliness is a big thing. There's actually 1 Corinthians 14 talks about how to properly speak in tongues where you must have an interpreter and you must do it orderly and people must be quiet while they listen to the person and then be quiet while they listen to the interpreter speak or else it's not of God. So make sure that what you're following is from God and not the spirit of Antichrist or some false teacher or a lying, deceiving leader. Now, we have to be careful when we judge because there's two extremes. Isaiah 520 says, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness. Satan will do good things. Satan will get angels of light to preach God's word to deliberately drag you away from God. So just because you see something good does not mean that the person behind it is good. It does not mean that it is ultimately leading someone in the right path. It does not mean that everything about that circumstance is good just because you heard a Bible verse or just because somebody prayed to God or just because you heard a good song. That does not mean that everything about that is from God. Satan himself will appear as an angel of light, right? And don't forget that calling the works of God satanic is a horrible sin. Matthew 12, 30. God, Jesus said, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Then verse 31, he says, wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. The reason I say this is I may not like the fervor around the Asbury revival, but I'm not going to say that it is satanic because there is prayer. They are preaching the Bible. I believe there may be people getting saved there and maybe some people getting baptized. Okay. I see some good things. I do hear some music that is good being led by openly gay people. So I see some red flags, but I'm not going to call it the works of Satan because it could be the works of Christians who are just making mistakes and not doing things according to the Bible. Christians sin all the time. We're not perfect, right? It could very well be that God intended a revival at Asbury and Christians did not properly vet their leaders like they should have, according to 1 Timothy. And you got bad leaders in charge of things. That's quite possible. So it could be God started, God intended to be good, and human beings messed it up. So just remember that God judges the heart. All we can do is judge the outward appearance. And we're told to judge, especially fellow believers. But look at 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So in conclusion, number one, the Ten Commandments says no idol worship. 
Exodus 20, verse 3 and 4. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Movies, revivals, a new church in town, a new pastor, some podcaster that you like should not be worshipped or blindly followed or breathlessly extolled as some great spiritual leader. Whenever you find yourself gushing over a person or a thing instead of God, you are probably in danger of making it an idol. I want to be more like that, that man in Proverbs that says, uh, as iron sharpeneth iron, so the countenance of one man sharpeneth another. I want to be that sharpening iron, that stone that is helping you to understand the Bible better and that you can bounce ideas off of, but don't make me into an idol. Not that I'm that good anyways, but, (laughs) and then number two, so number one, no idol worship. Number two, don't follow movements. Don't follow people more than you follow God and his word. And number three, if you are put into a position of leadership or you are put in a position of choosing a leader. Make sure to check yourself and to verify those qualifications. Are you blameless? Do you have a sin that you need to repent of before you speak out on that sin? We need to be very careful about worshiping the one true God only and nothing else. As always, you can contact me at angrypatriot42 at yahoo.com. I'll be more than happy to answer you personally and maybe address your concerns in my next podcast. So thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless you.